Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Net Positive Podcast. A podcast which educates and inspires marketers, product managers, and companies in the best way to generate and optimize your flows. We're your hosts, Matt Brown and Jess Walker, and we will bring you the latest on how to improve your signup flow, increase your leads, and grow your business. Let's, Let's jump, jump in. in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Net Positive Podcast, brought to you by Upflowy. Today, we're speaking with James Eyes, who's had a varied career to date, from travel to cars to consulting and now to banking as product manager for Ubank. We discuss how to find innovative ways of building a product within the new era of banking, the onboarding flow for a very regulated industry, and the impact a slick design has on increasing conversions to 83%. Let's dive in. G'day, James. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So you've started off uh, volunteering in Ecuador. You've uh, you're a certified Scrum master. You've spent time uh, in Hong Kong and studying Chinese language and culture. You've been a consultant, uh, and you moved into banking. And you're now a digital product manager. Mm. Uh, would love to hear the story of kind of how your career's been uh, stitched together so far. Well, generalist and everything, especially nothing. <laughs> really enjoyed working with small startups. So a lot yep. being in consulting, we never got to fund or build our own product. So we formed our own kind of digital product, creative uh, customer experience arm of that. Awesome. Our first product that we built, we managed to sell into McDonald's. Okay. So I think um, first crack, nailed it. What was it? It was um, a feedback app. So it was employee to employee, basically performance management cycle in our eyes didn't work. It was like once or twice a year. Mm. Um, And we wanted to be instant, wanted it to to be direct and add context or add color. So our app was called Color. So add color to your feedback. Um, McDonald's liked it. They they rolled it out internally. So it went to 10,000 people globally. Wow. So you thought, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah, but the problem was we worked for someone else. So we, we did a SaaS licensing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's great. Um, but none of the founding members got to see any of that. So that was where I guess consulting kind of ended for me because if you want to stay in digital product, you need to fund it yourself, have equity yourself, and that's really where you get to enjoy it. So I jumped into automotive. Yeah, yeah. amazing. What made you go from automotive to banking? I've always wanted to go into fintech. So I guess one of the upsides of product is you can switch between mm. industries, I think, as well, because from consulting, I don't really have fear about going into another industry without a debt for now. If I've enjoyed banking. There's definitely pros and cons to it. And so with Ubank, it's, you know, it's known for its seamless and very user-centric and pretty new approach to banking. So from the get-go, what does it look like to take or rethink the user experience in a space that's been dominated by very conservative practices for so long? Um, yeah, Ubank, I mean, it has a great brand on the market and people don't think it's been around as long as it has. It's been around mm. 12, 13 years. Oh, well. But its initial entry was more savings accounts, so it always okay. had the best interest rate. Um, very easy incentive, and when the interest rates were good. Yeah, what's the current interest rate at the moment? 1.1. 1. 1. That's, still, that's um, still pretty good. I'm still making 1.1. 1. 1. Yeah. Um, the demographic of Ubank has always been a bit older, so that is a bit more traditional. Through survival or tactical, obviously, with, with Neos like Up and Revolut and, and all of those, mm. um, younger younger demographic is one. Um, and we also, the mobile app is only banking, but we never had customers signing up on mobile. Um also, the back-end systems are a bit legacy. So there's a few things we can't do uh, to please customers, but there's other things we can go after that is a really quick win. So I think attracting a younger customer 
and trying to go on mobile a lot more aggressively is definitely the two strivers. Yeah. How have you thought about attracting that younger customer? Because obviously, you know, when people think about banking, often they they expect it to be, you know, quite a, a dry, uh, mm. relatively relatively uh, governed process. Uh, but you know, obviously, uh, these days, a lot of the younger generation are looking at getting things. They they want instant gratification. Mm. I was at a talk the other week. Uh, at Fishburners and one of them described as like vanity features, right? Do you do invest in vanity features? I think in banking, um, there is a big argument for vanity at times. You know, Mm. what are the, I got a a Monzo account because it had the orange card and I could freeze the card. That's just, it's not a gimmick, but it's something, it's a, it's a good marketing ploy to get you there. Same with Revolut. They don't have a card number on the front. Things like and they that. Have metal cards as well. I have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fancy. Peeling, yeah, yeah, and you pay like thirty dollars per month for the for the pleasure for the, for the privilege. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but it makes you feel good. So. It does. Look at my metal card. I, I, want, a, I want a metal card. Yeah, Revolut. Okay. Yeah. So um, are we meant to be plugging you, Bang? <laughs> yeah, sorry, this is a black card though, and it's plastic. No. Um, but yeah, so I think a lot of it is around marketing. You know. I'm not going to say vanity, but there's a, there's a lot to that. Can you hit the trend and can it be a bit of a fad? I think Up Up does this the best, right? They really do target the young customers. Tone of voice, marketing, oh, branding. So Zinger as well, branding was, yeah. was really good. So there, there's a bit of that. I think there's the generic triggers as well around the products, the finance mm-hmm. products. So the interest rate is a massive driver. Of course it is. Your home loans, so people offering cash back on home loans, especially in this period, is huge. Mm. I think... The real customer growth is historically before COVID was loss leaders. So Revolut only started making money in the last two years, but they've got 10 million customers. Zinja couldn't quite get there quick enough, therefore they went out. So I think a lot of it is uh, will the government help and back people like the Zinjas or the Ups or you get bought out. Mm. So I think a lot of the growth is driven by unsustainable things, whereas Ubank knows it's got good revenue from home loans. Home right. loans brings in the money and so does kind of credit. So, I mean, if you compare it to Afterpay, who are about to bring out their money app um, and ZipPay, that's a different type of revenue with different loans. So, Do you think your, your revenue is thanks to your older demographic as well? There's always a high level of transition and, mm-hmm. and retention's an issue because even though you have people with current loans and they're on fixed amounts, even if they defer it, mm. people are quite free to move if they find a better yeah. rate when they're looking to remortgage or a better cash back they'll go to that will, so yeah. i think it's always a moment in time if you're best in place on the market yeah. what is your role at ubank you came in when it was desktop based yeah so anyone that's signing up was desktop based therefore getting them onto a mobile channel um it's quite tough you're not actually attracting the right customers to desktop so therefore you had to build the mobile sign up so uh, i came in just over a year ago um to exactly do that build the customer sign up on mobile Mm-hmm. which is quite simple. I think if you say it like that, but actually verifying the ID of someone getting all the security is, is really what is behind. Such a heavily uh, regulated industry. You can't just cut out half of your sign up flow, can you? Yeah. And I think this is where the new banks win because depending on your license. So NAB actually has a much stricter license because it offers such a bigger range of products. Whereas someone like a, a new Neo who isn't offering, like, let's say, credit accounts, you don't have this so much stringency around new customer accounts. Mm. Um, and that's where banking really differs is there's so much regulation around if you sign up, how long can you keep it? How do you verify it's actually that person? Otherwise, you get a lot of fraud. Have you thought about putting together that sign-up flow to obviously balance the regulatory and governance pieces you need, but also giving users a good experience? There's a couple kind of holes you can trip into here if you focus on the wrong measurement. So... 
we've we've looked at a few you know how many pages or how many screens do you go through right that's that's one way you can look at it or completion time um but actually i think the feel the feel of the flow is more important so if you can if you compare like kind of the leaders out there it's actually it's things like animations and dynamic Mm -hmm. nature and actually freeing up the screen so there's just one thing that the customer needs Mm -hmm. to do so what you see a lot of the flows is just one question and uh, a cursor to enter it Mm. um how do you balance it i mean for my personal one at eubank there's a there's a few questions that we have to ask that um you wouldn't want to so you have to we have to ask a security question and answer um and that's just based on how we create accounts i think if you were to look at like a really slick flow in a different neobank you enter your mobile number and your pin and that's it mm. there's there's no a kind of more of the older school customer email and password type thing so i think balance for us was was keeping it clean matching the tone of voice and making it feel like a slick flow um we did a lot of a b testing so there's a lot of things we can control on flags see where the drop offs are um we had quite a big difference on Android versus iOS at the start. Really? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Our customer base is double on iOS. Um, so we knew we'd have higher traffic there. Mm. We found that we had a big, bigger drop off on Android. It was particularly just due to like a 2FA, like two factor authentication. We have to send a code to verify the mobile at the start of the journey. And that was a bigger sticking point for the Android phone, just in how it dealt with it. And there's really nothing that you can do to improve that. We, we could do. Of, oh, you can? Yeah. We, we do. So in iOS, um, when a text message comes through, it just um, it pops up on on your on your keyboard, and you just you just hit it and enter it. And you, off oh you go. yeah, it's so much easier. Yeah, for Androids, um, you can do that, but it's it's harder to plug in. So uh, users had to go out of the flow, go into the text message, come back in. As soon as someone's leaving that app, mm. it's harder to get them back. With the drop offs that you see, like, can you can you see exactly what at the point they drop off, and then what do you yeah. do about that? So we have like we have drop offs across that entire journey. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite easy to see if there's a there's a particular uh, pain point. I mean, we just we just address it. If we can address it, we'll address it and mm-hmm. uh, release it and just change it 100. percent For other things, we would have an A/B test that's running mm-hmm. a bit longer because we're actually trying to test out which ways which it's either going to affect conversion or time. Mm-hmm. And there's some things we can maybe do after the customer account is set up that we don't necessarily have to have in there. So. When you think about putting all of this together, obviously, you know, you've got a bunch of tools, but probably some of your own technology, you know, how, how do you go about mm. coordinating the technology team and the marketing team and customer and ensuring you have uh, a cohesive uh, group to to get what you need done, done? If you really were to ask about customer sign up, like mm. the biggest, the biggest lever is marketing. Mm. I mean, Ubank had a good brand presence on the market. So we always have, we have over a hundred a day, which you compare it to up is 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 not very impressive. But you compare it to most banks, um, like eighty six hundred for example, is around fifty sixty. Um, but that's with no marketing spend really that Ubank have done the last year. So marketing, yeah, marketing is definitely the biggest lever. You spend money, you'll you'll double or triple those those numbers. Um, so it is important. I think with marketing, it depends if it's a big launch or a soft launch. Mm. So with the tech team, it's giving them the best, um, giving them the best indication of time. Right, so the marketing can plan their journey understanding we were just moving on to mobile so paid advertising needed to be more on mobile than it was on desktop mm. which was a bit of a shift um i would say <sighs> testing that into end making sure the seo and all of the attribution is flowing through we use adobe we've, we've turned it on turned it off mm. during covid as well there's a bit of uncertainty on where the spend was going 
a lot of the spend we kind of rechanneled home loans as well so i think it's definitely a great lever definitely should have it there because it really does power your your analytics and what you do next so you're talking about the flow and you can see where your customers drop off. At that point, do you actually contact customers or survey them and see, you know, mm. why did you actually drop off here? Was this question too hard or did you have to provide something that you couldn't be bothered doing? Like what's the process there for talking to customers? Yeah. So in general, for a customer that's already existing, we have like a rate my app and, and the usual stuff mm-hmm. when they leave the app, when they close the app or when they're, when they're um, uninstalled in the app. So that, that's kind of like a general one for us uh, across the board. We also Is that internal? Yeah. Is that one that goes external uh, it's, to the it's app external, store? Yeah, external, yeah, it goes to the app yeah. store, yeah. MPS and the kind of like your mm-hmm. app racing and all of that we have. In terms of the flow, people signing up, we, we kind of built some logic where if someone's dropping out of the flow, we know their number. So we what you, what you find is in, in some journeys, if you fill your cart on, a, on an e-commerce platform, if you start to sign up, you'll get a message or an email and say, hey, you, you left us, you left mm. stuff in the cart, or did you you wanted to sign up with us, come back, we'd love to have we you. We miss you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So all of that emotional pull. Uh, so we have that like after 24 hours or or three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in terms of certain things they won't want to do. So one of the biggest things in sign up for banking is um, do you have your ID? Like do you have your driving license or do you have your TFM with you? Um, most people aren't going to carry their TFN on their off hand. So, when they ask me for my TFN. Yeah. TFN is optional, but actually we found that a lot of people, you know, saw the question and they, they just assumed they needed it. And so instead of progressing the journey, that's just a simple thing. We just had to reword the question because people were thinking they needed it, yeah. but we didn't. So that was, that was just a tone, mm. tone of voice thing. Same with if, if people reside outside of Australia, you, you have to give your tax number for US. You're fine there's ways of wording that which is just easier but i think for for your life for your actual document details that's a lot harder mm. um you can't open a transaction account unless you're verified so that is a bit more of a, a sticking point mm. um and even if you you make that journey a bit nicer rather than entering manually and you take a photo your your conversion is is going to be hit mm. so yeah and what are the conversion rates like yeah so when we were on desktop before it was it was about 45, 50% mm-hmm. of customers we got signed up on iOS. Now it's 85%. So that's incredible. We have, really, yeah, we have, we have great conversion. Um, Android is a bit lower because of that, that mobile issue I mentioned, but yeah, across the board, 80% conversion. So once we actually get them to the, to download the app, it's pretty good. You were talking about sort of some of those incremental improvements you've made. Is it more about radical improvements or is it more about uh, making lots of minor improvements every day? I had to choose probably the latter one. Um, some of those can surprise you as well. You don't think it'd be a big thing, but actually it makes a big difference. So I think just for that surprise, I'd say definitely the latter. Um, and it's also low effort, mm. right? I think some of the bigger ones, you you obviously do a lot more usability testing and, mm. you, and, you, you, and it actually might require a lot more tech effort in advance, you know, if it requires stronger APIs or a, a vendor and things. So like OCR, optical character recognition, which is capturing the document and any cool stuff you do behind the scenes, you can check people's faces, see if they've already have an account and then do a lot of fraud checks. That is a bigger play, right? less so for customer sign up, but more mm. for fraud and risk and things later in the process. So that one I know will hurt the customer sign up, but it's, it's probably got uh, more, more business drivers behind it. Yeah. You mentioned some of those ones that really surprise you. Any, any kind of jump out as big surprises in your career today? Yeah, right from the early days, which will seem obvious, but not when you're in the thick of tech and thinking of features. Mm. Quality of photos, it's like huge. So if you if you think about going onto Airbnb or or just any sort of like holiday sites, when we're doing the travel company, um, 
is actually uh, in London. It was formed out of Expedia uh, and they formed this uh, low-cost travel. Quality of the photos had such a hike in in conversion. It was above 25%. Wow. Um, so that, that one for me, I mean, it's obvious, but actually you don't think about that in a tech team. There's no. more content, but they sometimes don't get the credit. So, yeah. <laughs> I know that's what Airbnb started doing. They started offering photography services to to get those uh, yeah, conversions up. Another one was in automotive, um, make an assumption that we're all rational sometimes, um, but people aren't always price-driven. So if you're going out mm. to buy a car, so a car's a good one actually because your car, you just care about A to B, whereas we may care about the noise or the engine or, or the look and feel. But it depends on the brand. So if I'm buying a, a, a Jaguar, for instance, um, I'm not so bothered about the price, actually, because I already know I'm putting down a chunk of money. Mm. <laughs> um, I might care about uh, a certain color or a certain spec on the car, and I'm less bothered about how long that will take mm. to get to me. Mm. Whereas if if someone knows that they just want to go and get a, a small, uh, I don't know, a Mini or a Volkswagen or something, they might be more bothered about the delivery time. Yeah. So we made a subtle change on the website where instead of sorting or filtering by price, you could filter by, I could get this in a week. And that had a huge, a lot of people used that. And we saw a very different behavior because our site didn't just have one brand. Mm. So we had very different brands. We had high-end brands like Maserati and we had kind of lower, but not lower brands, Ford, sorry. But we had Ford <laughs> where the Ford Fiesta is going to be a lot quicker. There's a lot more volume to a Maserati. If, if you've seen Ford versus Ferrari, Ford gives us, gives Ferrari a run for its yeah, money. Yeah, they just break down. No, that's <laughs> yeah, so lead time. So could I get a car in one to two weeks? That had a huge difference on on people buying a car. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that would probably be my biggest surprise, I guess. And as a product owner, how do you think about growth? Great, growth is great, but I think constantly focusing on growth, you have to then uh, adjust in time. So if you're a startup, you'll focus on different things for growth and then you you get to a certain stage and you're going to have to reassess your tech stack. You're going to have to mm-hmm. reassess your go-to-market. So if it, in banking, for example, there's a lot of lost leaders and that's fine in a current economic market. It could come and hurt you mm. if you're constantly paying out those interest rates and you and you can't get the funding. Mm. That's that's just one example. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of growth because that allows you to do the fun things. So all of the spend, all of the marketing, all of the new features you get to do is is either growth-based or it's revenue-based. So mm. it's a reality. You just mentioned growth. Uh, I'd be interested about your personal growth. So you've had a, had a really interesting career and you've obviously gone from, from you know, a little bit of volunteer work you did when you were in high school right through to, you know, management consulting and consulting in a bunch of different companies through to now banking here in Australia. Um, you know, like what, what was your personal journey? Like what, what sort of took you from place to place? What, what's like the intrinsic thing that, that keeps you going? Um, I would say travel is probably up there, um, probably more from my experience growing up. So I lived in the States for a bit in Michigan, sort of uh, down the old uh, automotive go. Motown. Um, so, yeah, I've, I a different perspective growing up, having two older brothers. So I'm a bit more competitive in that nature where I'm trying to catch them all the time. Right. So that's probably where my drivers come from. I wanna, Have you caught them yet? Not yet. No, no. So, um, that's yeah, that's my objective. So, um Travel. I'd say travel. I wanted so a kind of uh, consulting was great for that. You get mm. to travel. Uh, you get to work with more senior people. You get more exposure to uh, actually influencing and making decisions. So that was probably a driver early on. Um, got to work in Zurich, Hong Kong, uh, awesome. the States. Um, led me here. So there's definitely a yearning for 
Asia's a pool because of the the market demand and growth. And I think it's a very different customer experience as to how you would go to market with a product in Asia, let alone Europe, Australia, and the US. Mm. Um, so travel is definitely one. I think in terms of how I ended up in products, um, I didn't really have dreams of becoming like a product manager. Probably didn't exist when we were probably both didn't, going no, to no, university. Exactly. Uh, you know, a lot of people come from all sorts of backgrounds. Mm. I think that is a genuine um, positive. Mm. Um, and I probably still wouldn't call myself product manager now. I, I probably more embrace with the company and the product itself mm. rather than what I do within that. Because I think if you pigeonhole yourself, as you said, you work with marketing, you work with the tech teams, you work with finance teams. So you're actually more of a... Uh, mini yeah. CEO. Mini, yeah, exactly. That's that's how I sum up my position now. Mm. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's it. And what kind of, do you have any podcasts or books or where do you go to to learn more about product management? Um, but I'd probably pick them up and drop them down a lot more. So mm-hmm. I probably don't have one that I go to. I, the podcast I really like is How I Built This by Love that. Guy Raz. Yeah. yeah. Just because you get to hear behind the weeds of, yeah. some, of some of the cool companies. It's pretty amazing. Um, there's another one I'll probably get the name completely wrong, but it's... Um, it's like a scale one. So it's like how I how I scale this. It's not the same name, but not it's by Gyras. not by Gyras. <laughs> no, um, but yeah. Other than that, I probably go to more like autobiographies or people I, I admire, or mm-hmm. not so admire maybe personally, but what they've achieved. So like um, Barack Obama for me is like a huge mm. huge one, um, or what yeah what he didn't achieve or what he wanted to achieve, and then how you get around those types of things. Uh, Elon Musk, I think, is kind of like that. Yeah, it's just I don't know how he covers three completely separate companies at that massive. Companies, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and sport, I'd say probably I I go to I maybe do two of me acronyms at work where I kind of relate it to a sports team, like very cliche. Um, who's, who's your team and what sport? Uh, soccer, football, and it's Liverpool. Oh, there you go, so, me too. Very good. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was going to make a reference to Jurgen Klopp. I didn't think that would land very well. But, yeah, <laughs> he's definitely one for me. You know, if, if I was to kind of – you mentioned personal growth. So, for me, it's a massive difference between being a manager and being a leader. Mm. And I think consistency of the message that you give and making sure there's always energy in the room. And I think from sport, I get that a lot. Um, yeah. It's almost like the coach yeah. as well. Yeah, definitely. If you uh, could go back in time and give yourself this advice or if you're giving somebody advice uh-huh. today that uh, is looking at being an aspiring product manager, what would be the number one uh, nugget you'd, you'd leave behind? Um, not so much for a product person, but my kind of cliche, two cliches I'd probably say to myself is um, kind of what would your five or six-year-old self say? Um, I like the I like the feeling when you're little that there is no, there's no ceiling, there's no blockers, it's just dreams. You don't mm. really... And I think coming into entrepreneurship is a way of kind of getting those shackles off. But it's actually the one thing that holds you back is you always think of what could go wrong or what's stopping me, but actually you just let yourself loose and, and back yourself. So I always think, like, what would your five-year-old, six-year-old say? Um, the other one I kind of ask myself is, what would you regret more? Kind of like reframing the question. Um, and it's almost, what were the reason, what's the reason not to do this? Mm. So like when you're considering moving countries, um, like why, or what would I regret not moving to Sydney or staying in London for another couple of years? So, um, but yeah, product manager. Uh, this is something that's probably not reflective of my journey, but I think product managers now um, have so much more weight if you come from a technical background. For me, 
But if you have quite a broad team, I would definitely have a mixture of product managers. I'd love to have one that's really, really good at design and customer focus, like asking those questions, but someone that's come from either a dev or testing background that's just loves getting into the API. So I, mm. I think you always kind of talk about the T-shape and you could probably say that's probably a common theme for me in consulting and product. Um, but I think debt coming from depth gives you credibility in product management. Um, and I think that blends really well with stakeholders. Stakeholders are always driven by kind of your KPIs. But I think product has a responsibility to not just focus on that, but the customer. So, yeah. So uh, let yourself loose and back yourself. I think that is uh, pretty sage advice and definitely going to be on the tweet uh, later in the week. So <laughs> James Eyes, uh, Digital Product Manager at Ubank. Fantastic to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Net Positive Podcast brought to you by Upflowing.